Welcome everybody to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I'm your host, aka Emperor. As always, I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to spend the next 30 minutes of your life with me. I am well aware that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to Sight Beyond Sight, and for that, I'm very thankful. With that being said, let's create some fresh water moments. Now, I know I probably threw you guys off with this intro a little bit because I changed it up. I switched the game up just a little bit, you know, not too much. Didn't want to stray too much because I know that some people can't handle change. Some of us struggle with change. Some of us are terrified of change. You know, we get so struck with this fear of change thinking that we can't adapt to it, thinking how are we going to cope with it. But we have to remember that we are creatures that are able to adapt to almost anything that is thrown at us. It's just that we get comfortable. But I'm going to save that for another topic. I'm going to save that for another day. So, you know, it was on the weekend. You guys know this. I love my football. I love my football. I was watching a game, and it was halftime. And you know what happens during halftime. The coaches are bombarded with questions before they enter into the locker rooms. And the first coach was asked a question about some of the missed penalties and how they could impact the game or how they have impacted the game. Now, the first coach was like, he addressed the question without really focusing on the penalties. He focused on his team playing solid football, and he focused also on his team doing their individual jobs in order to persevere through these situations. And so the next coach, the opposing coach, was asked the same questions. And he was clearly upset about the missed calls and focused on complaining about the refs not doing their job and what could have been had the refs not missed these calls, yada, yada, yada. You know, now both coaches are – heading into their locker room, and more than likely, about 99.9%, I'm sure, that they're going to give some sort of halftime speech to their respective teams. But then I want you guys to think about this. I want you to think, what tone would these coaches be speaking in? What would be the vibe of their speeches? And how may their speeches impact their team for the rest of the game? So I started thinking about that for myself, and I I thought to myself, well, with the first coach, I imagine he went into the locker room and told his team to stay focused while reminding them that they, uh, they they have faced similar adversities before. So this is not new territory for them. And he reminded them that it's moments like these that they have practiced for, and this is why they practice so hard. So I, ma- I imagine that his speech went something like that. Now, on the other hand, I think that the second coach, who was still obviously fired up, gave some fiery speech to his team about how they've been cheated out of points and possessions, how the scoreboard should look different. But since the refs don't know how to do their job, and now they have to overcome not just their opponent, but they have to overcome the ref and the bad calls 
on the field. So I'm, I'm, I'm imagining that his speech went similar to that. Now, when you think about both tones of the speeches, now I want you to think about this. Which coach do you think gave a speech that would generate the most positive outcome? I want you to take a second to think about that. Now, before we answer that question, I want to talk about something. Uh, the pitfalls of complaining and blaming. You know, we find that happening a lot. A lot of people are always complaining about every little thing. It's almost easier to find something to complain about than spend a few minutes to find some kind of solution to the problem. And it's almost to the point where people don't even want to resolve any of these issues. But one thing we must remember is that complaining and blaming is a mindset that not only damages the individual, but is also a choice. Once again, it is a mindset that not only damages the individual, but it is also a choice. We choose to blame and complain instead of making some kind of resolution or finding some kind of solution to the issue. You know, I know some of you might say, well, it doesn't really feel like a choice. It feels like that all these things are always happening and we're always against all the odds and people are always against me. It's me against the world. So I have to be like this. How would you feel if people were always against you? You would be complaining too. How would you feel if you were always hard on your luck? You would be blaming as well. But no, it is, it is, it is a choice. And some of us may not know it because we come, we become so accustomed to the negative mindset. It's almost like it has, we do it so much that it has become who we are. Now that stung for me to say that. Because who wants to be known as someone that's complaining and blaming? None of us want that. But a lot of us have become that person, whether we like it or not, whether we know it or not. Some of us are that person. It's become who you are. It's the first thing that people think of when they say your name. Now, think about how many people you have in your life. And I want you to think about some of your closest friends. Just say five of them. Think of your five closest friends, and I guarantee you, most of you have one person that you identify as a constant complainer. That doesn't mean they're necessarily a bad, evil person. It just means that they're in a different mindset. And I bet you most of us have a friend that's a complainer. You know, you probably went down your list. George, he's loyal. Carlos, he's reliable. Tim, he's funny. Jared, he's focused. And then there's Chad. Let me think. Chad, he's a, gosh, he does complain. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, he complains all the time. Nonstop about everything. How many Chads do you have as a friend? 
you know, some of us are lucky, lucky that we don't have that a part of our life. We don't have any complainers in our life that are habitual complainers, you know. But thinking about this thing, thinking about this, I wanted to dig a little deeper. So I went back into one of my old textbooks. It's a person to person positive relationships don't just happen. It's written by Sharon L. Hannon. And I wanted to read something out of this book that really, really resonated with me. And it's talking about change can't and couldn't thinking. And she says this, excuses, excuses frequently include the words can't or couldn't. People think and verbalize in these terms. Have you ever said or heard this common expression, I couldn't get up this morning? Really? Picture what would be necessary for this to be true. Perhaps you are lying there in a full body cast. Usually the person means, I didn't get up because I decided not to. I had a hard time getting up or I didn't want to get up. Often a person doesn't mean can't or couldn't in actuality. Yet without realizing it, potential happiness can be jeopardized. Analyze can't and couldn't messages and then challenge them. What might a person miss by thinking and then behaving accordingly? And so here are some examples she listed. I just can't ski. I can't talk to people. We've heard that a lot. I couldn't ask her to go to the party with me. Been in that situation, right? And then she said, ends with this. Do you see how limiting such thinking is? And think about that. Those are limiting statements. You're already shooting yourself down before you even get started. You're not giving yourself a fighting chance to prevail because you're already in the mindset of, oh, I can't do it. So when you say can't and couldn't, you know, ultimately what it's doing is preventing you from taking action. And so many times we're in positions where we wait for someone else to take action. We remain idle, making excuses as to why we can't take action while others are out there taking action. And then the bad thing is, the bad thing is the complainers have the nerve to complain about how someone else decided to take action when they knew they weren't going to take action anyway. So they just wanted to complain and use them as a scapegoat. And this goes back to our discussions of fear. Fear is crippling and fear is also full of excuses. So Hannon goes on to read, uh, write about re, uh, how we should rethink should and shouldn't because should and shouldn't also have a negative impact on us. And she said this, closely related to can't and couldn't or should and shouldn't. Perhaps you are not feeling happy or satisfied about what you do because you think in these ways. I should study more. I should visit my grandparents more often. I should work harder at my job. I should exercise more. I should lose weight. I shouldn't waste time. I should never be late. I shouldn't get angry. What emotions are likely to follow a thought of should when it's not acted upon? What feelings do you have when you believe you shouldn't and then do it anyway? And some of these feelings are guilt, frustration, anger. These are some of the most common 
uh, feelings that you will feel with this. And then also in the end, unhappiness. So Hannon has hit us up with a lot of information in those few paragraphs. And to sum this all up, it's like we said, this mentality of complaining and blaming is crippling. It is what is holding you back. It's not everybody else holding you back. It's you. It's not the system holding you back. It's not you against the world. It's your own mentality and how you think and process things. You are setting yourself up to fail before you even get started, which further validates that the origin of complaining is based off of fear. So remember back in a previous episode when I talked about how if you listen long enough, people would disclose what they need or they will actually tell you what they're truly fearful of. Sometimes we have to just listen to crack the code. And when it comes to complaining, we have to listen and piece things together. And then finally, we're, we should be able to, to crack this code of what's really going on. So then you might be asking, well, Emperor, this sounds pretty easy. This sounds almost too easy. Well, it is pretty easy once you understand what you're looking for. So this is how we combat complaining. Since we know that complaining is based off of some fear, we can now devise a plan to address the true issue at hand. So what what I mean by that is that someone could be complaining about not getting promoted at their job and complaining that people are always after them and they will never be able to move up in this in this job field because they work hard and people are just out to get them. But then you come to find out that the person complaining has never applied for these jobs. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, why on earth would this person be complaining about this when they didn't even apply? Who's holding them back when they didn't even apply for the job? And then you're just, you don't even have any other answers for this or any questions for this. You're just really confused at why this person is complaining. But really what that person is saying is, I am afraid of rejection. But they don't want to say that. Because it's easier to project out on other people and to blame other people to, than it is to look inward and face those true fears. So the first thing that you have to do to combat complaining is this. We have to stop getting sucked into the vortex of negativity. Now, what I mean by that is this. When someone is complaining and being negative, and that is what they do, that is what they are known for, what they're usually trying to do is get people to agree with them. Now, most of the time, not most of the time, all of the time, we have a choice, a few choices to make. We can either join in, which is what happens 90% of the time. We can ignore it, but that, that's a temporary fix. Or we can address it, 
but sometimes that's way confrontational because we're addressing it out of anger. Or sometimes we try to address it, but we address it incorrectly because we ask the wrong questions. So now choosing to join in or ignore, those are pretty self-explanatory. I'm not going to spend time on those. But however, I am going to spend time on how we address the matter incorrectly by asking the wrong questions. So typically in this situation, we address issues. We address these issues of complaining. And we may ask questions like, why are you complaining or what's your problem? And at that time, we may think that we're confronting the issue and we're going to get down to the bottom of this and we're going to get some answers right now with these questions. Why are you complaining and what's your problem? But really what we're doing, we're not getting we're not going to get any valid answers from these questions. Really, what we're doing is opposite of our intentions. And we're giving the, the complainer a presidential platform to spew all of their garbage and negativity upon us. So what I'm going to do to to give you an idea of what this looked like on how we give complainers a platform, a presidential platform, and how we get sucked into the vortex of neg- negativity, I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to do a little, I'm going to put my acting skills to the test here. Now I'm going to play a couple of parts here. I'm going to be the complainer and I'm going to be you. So follow me in this little skit, okay? So here, here's what I want you to picture. You're in the break room at your job. There's four people sitting there already having their own conversation at a table. You're up by the coffee machine. You're just trying to get some coffee, get in and get out. And then you see the complainer. Everybody knows who this person is. You see the complainer. You start sweating. You're looking at the coffee machine. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, this coffee isn't pouring fast enough. Why did I why did I get this one touch coffee maker instead of just pouring the, the coffee that's been sitting there for eight hours already? But that's neither here nor there. So you're approached by the complainer and the complainer says this. Hey, emperor. Have you heard about the changes that are being made and how we process our monthly reports? Yes. Well, do you, what do you think about it? Well, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. What do you mean it's not that big of a deal? Well, it's just a few extra steps. And you're okay with that? Well, what's your problem? I don't, I don't see any reason to complain. And then you get this. Well, I'll tell you my problem. I've, I have to do most of the work because of our leadership staff is incapable of making a good decision. I don't think I don't think I have enough time to learn the new process. Besides, they are stupid to think that this new process will be more efficient. The old process is fine and everyone loves the old process. It will take forever for all of us to learn the new process. Besides, I don't want to train train or adjust my hours to learn some dumb process. Oh my gosh, what? 
They don't have Starbucks coffee grinds anymore. I don't want to drink Folgers. This stuff is like sewer water, the grossest coffee on earth. Are they trying to purposely ruin my day? <clears throat> now, I gave it a valiant effort, but hopefully you caught my drift. So what we're going to do now is think about this. We've all had this encounter, something similar to this. So now what we're going to do, we're going to break this conversation down step by step. And I'm going to give you some steps on how to prevent getting sucked into this conversation. So we'll start at the top. We'll break down each line. So you are approached by the complainer. And they ask about the monthly reports, the changes that is happening, that are happening in the process of how you process your monthly reports. And so you decide, okay, I know who this person is. I'm just going to try to dead this conversation right away. Hopefully, if I just say a simple yes, I will be able to avoid any further conversation. You know, a simple avoidance tactic. But the complainer is well-versed and well-seasoned, so they go at you right away, asking you point blank, what do you think about it? And then your response was, it's not that big of a deal. Now, when you said that, you were hoping that they just might, for once, agree with you and talk about something else or, or change the subject. And you, thinking, and you think that the conversation is going to change from there. But once again, the complainer has the upper hand. <laughs> they have been doing this forever. You haven't. So they ambushed you by asking you point blank. What do you mean it's not that big of a deal? And then you try to use some logic and some reason. Well, it's just a few extra steps. Trying to make sure make her, the complainer understand that it's really not that big of a deal. The complainer comes right back at you again. Are you okay with that? So now at this time, this is your last chance not to get totally sucked into that vortex. Right now, you are hanging on by a thread. You know, you're deep into the vortex and you have one hand out grabbing onto that pole. The rest of your body is getting sucked in. So you're holding on for life. And you have one more chance to pull yourself out. You have one last grunt of energy <laughs> to pull yourself out. And so when they asked if you were okay with this, you blow it by saying, what's your problem? I don't see any reason to complain. So you blew it by giving them a presidential platform to spew all of their garbage upon you. So you were thinking that it would just be over with, but you, you said, you really said, hey, you know what? I'm tired of arguing with you. I just want to hear what you have to say, no matter how negative it is. That's what you're saying. You know, that's what you're telling them. That's what they've heard. So then you open up the presidential platform. But here is the thing that we don't realize. Even though we blew it, there is still a way out of the vortex. Now, the only way out of this vortex is to listen our way out of it. 
Now, usually that seems impossible because what do we usually do when someone complains over and over and over again? It becomes blah, 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 blah. We don't listen, give a couple of nods to act like we're listening. Then we blank slowly at them. And then we look up, we look down, we look away. We look at the people at the tables, the four people at the table looking to save us, but they're not because they have their heads down. They're smirking saying, oh man, how did you get sucked into this? That's usually what happens. So the only way out of this is for us to to listen our way out of it. So at this point, from now on, I want you to do things differently. If you're sucked into the vortex, I want you to listen your way out of it. And I urge you to open your ears and process what they are truly saying. Remember, I said, if you let people talk long enough, they will eventually tell you what they need but we can only catch that if we're listening. So since we know that all this complaining and negativity is based off of fear, we can now listen for what I like to call aha words. Those aha words help us connect the dots of what's truly going on. So now we're, we're, we're down, we're down in the fight, but we're not out because we still have the upper hand that they don't know about. Now we're listening our way out of it, and we're listening for aha words so we can connect the dots. So now we're going to break down the response to the complainer complaining, and we're going to break down what this complainer is truly saying underneath all of these things. So the first thing that the complainer says is this. I have to do most work, most of the work around here because the leadership staff is incapable of making good decisions. Now, that comment is a little harsh. It's a little martyrish. You know, poor me, woe is me. But we don't really pay that one too much attention because eh, there might be some truth to that statement. We don't know. The, The leadership staff might be pretty weak. We don't know. So we'll let that one slide. But then the complainer goes on to say this. I don't have time to learn a new process. Besides, they are stupid to think that the new process will be more efficient. Now, the complainer jumped right into insults, and insults right away tell you one thing. They, someone is fearful of something, and they are trying to hide it. Whenever you get in an argument and someone jumps right into the insults, they are fearing for their lives about something. They are in fear of something, trying to protect something, trying not to feel vulnerable, trying not to be exposed. So whenever we get into arguments with our friends, our family, your spouse, whoever, and someone decides to start throwing names and calling or throwing insults and calling you names, you know, it is offensive. It is hurtful. But try to think beyond that for at least a moment to think what's truly going on. Think What are they trying to hide? What are they hiding? What are they afraid of? So this complainer threw out an insult. So right now, that's a red flag. Your aha, boom, insult, aha words. There you go, stupid, aha word. So now you're starting to connect the dots. Then the next line was, the old process is fine and everyone loves the old process. It will take forever for all of us to learn the new process. Now, they said 
aha words like everyone and all. When you hear that, you know that someone is sitting there trying to validate their feelings by rallying the troops. Those are those are words that try to that bring people together, that bring people on your side. And all they're doing is trying to bring people on their side because if they have more people agreeing with those statements, it's going to cover and mask their fear. And then they don't have to truly say what they are fearful of. So don't fall for that tactic. A lot of people will fall for that because then they start to question yourself. Oh, wait, everyone, everyone feels that way? Don't get wrapped up into that. So a few more aha words, everyone and all. So then you know for a fact that when they said that they are fearful or something, but we don't know yet. But you can assume what it is. So then the next statement says this. Besides, I don't want to train or adjust my hours to learn some dumb process. There we go. Where was the, uh, what was the aha word in there? Dumb. Dumb. Insults. Doesn't want to sacrifice time. But they're throwing out insults again. Valid, valid, now, this truly validates what the, the true fear is right here. So it sounds like this person is truly fearful of this. They are fearful that they may not learn the new process as fast as their colleagues. Now, for some reason, they may feel like they have always been inferior to their colleagues. I don't know. Maybe their colleagues went to more prestigious colleges, have a lot more degrees than they have. And so maybe they felt like they weren't as smart or as capable as their colleagues And that's an interpersonal thing. So it sounds like that fear isn't really the new system. It's the fear of them not being able to learn the new process as fast. You see how we're connecting the dots here? And then it goes on to this. The situation changes and all of a sudden, The complainer is going off on a tangent about coffee. Coffee, you're talking about a new process and how it's terrible and it's dumb and stupid. And now you're complaining about coffee. And this is what the complainer said. Now, you want to break this down. You cannot get sidetracked from from these things. You can't let it throw throw you off because the person said something so important at the end. The complainer said this. They don't have Starbucks coffee uh, grinds anymore. I don't want to drink Folgers. This stuff is like sewer water. It's the grossest coffee on earth. And check this one. Are they trying to purposely ruin my day? Now, what they, in a normal situation, we would think, what in the world is this person talking about? But if you know that you're, looking for a fear and trying to get to the root of the fear, then you have to break that last statement down. That last statement, they really said, they think that the rule change is intentional because they are focused on their personal fears and not about not being able to learn the system as fast as others. So now they think it's a personal attack. So you see this? You see how we connected the, the, uh, you see how we connected the dots 
with this conversation. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Now, in real life, that conversation probably lasted less than five minutes easily. That's, that's like a two-minute two minute conversation. But look how much information they gave you in those two minutes that we miss every day because we're not listening. We're not connecting the dots. We're not having sight beyond sight. We're thinking, we're looking at the surface, and we're not looking beyond the surface. That's what I'm talking about. That's why this podcast is named Sight Beyond Sight, because we're looking beyond the surface at life issues. This is an issue that we always face. We, some of you face this numerous times a day. So we have to get back to listening. This is important. If you don't listen and you don't know what you're listening for, you will never be able to connect the dots. And guess what? You're always going to be sucked into the vortex. And you're always going to be a victim of negativity. So you may ask, how do I avoid these confrontations or how do I avoid getting caught up in the vortex of negativity? How do I properly confront a habitual complainer? What is the question that needs to be asked? And this is it. When you're confronted in that situation, you can use this at any moment. If you really want to end the conversation right away or get to the root of the issue, you use this at the beginning. Don't wait to the middle because it becomes increasingly more difficult. Don't wait to the end because it, because it comes, becomes more difficult. It is still possible to get the resolution that you're looking for, but it's more difficult. So the question that you ask is simply this. You ask, what are you afraid of? This question gets to the root of the issue. There's no playing games. Either they're going to answer it or they're going to avoid it. There's no in-between with this question. You put it right back on them. You're asking them to be honest. You're asking them to stop complaining and start thinking about you and how you are involved in this. And if they try to dodge the question, you keep hitting them up with a broken record. Asking the same thing. They try to deflect. What are you afraid of? They try to put it back on you. You ask them, what are you afraid of? They try to duck and dodge the question by answering something else. You ask them, what are you afraid of? And you keep asking this over and over until they either give up and leave. They give up and they finally answer. Or they stop complaining and they change the subject. By asking this question, you also prevent getting sucked up into the vortex of negativity. So it's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. You throw it back on them and check this out. The vortex, I'm sorry, the broken record of asking what are you afraid of, it also prevents you from saying things that will destroy but rather we say things that will help build people up. 
So we don't want to end up getting getting so frustrated that we say words to destroy. And this really goes in with the verse that I like to rely on. In Ephesians 4.29, it says, Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's Ephesians 4.29. That is all we're doing. We don't want to get sucked into that negativity. We're trying to prevent the negativity. So what are we doing if we are negative? We're joining in and we're doing no good to anyone involved in that situation. So let's go back to the break room real quick. Remember when I said that there were four other people within earshot of that conversation? When we give a complainer a presidential platform, they have easy access to influencing those around them. So when we do that and we give them that platform and people are in, are in earshot of listening to that negativity, most people join in and they start agreeing, oh, yep, yep, I, yep, that's right. The staff is dumb. Yeah, I had this one time where you know, they didn't know this simple answer, and I knew, and I knew they didn't know, so I wanted to put them on blast. Oh, yeah, yeah, this process is stupid. This process is really good, though. I mean, the old process is really good, so we should keep that. You know, next thing you know, you got people, four people joining in, and because you're afraid now, and now you're so confused, you jumped in, and now this complainer has sucked in five people because we asked the wrong question. And that is a classic way of rallying the troops. We cannot let the negative people rally the troops. That will tear down a nation. So this brings me back to my initial question, referring to the different speeches given by two coaches. Which speech do you think would be more beneficial for the team? The first speech where The coach focused on doing your job, staying focused, playing for one another, not worrying about any of the bad calls, going out there and completing the task of winning the football game. Or do you think the other coach who focused on the negatives, who focused on blaming, who focused on complaining, do you think that that second coach put his team in a position that would produce a beneficial, positive outcome. That's on you to to decide. We're all different. I'm going to let you decide that. But it's just a little food for thought. So remember, guys, do not get sucked into the vortex of negativity. You can avoid all of this by asking one simple question. What are you afraid of? You know, I want to encourage you guys to be the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. Because in the, in the scenario that we talked about today on this episode, that's a scenario that we're faced with all the time. A salty environment 
experience that we're faced with all the time. And if it is so easy for us to join in and be a part of that salty environment, but we have to remember that our goal is to heal and not hurt. So why keep, why would we keep adding to the hurt? We have to think outside the box and think beyond ourselves and think beyond the surface. Complaining does get old. It gets on my nerves. Sometimes I start to complain, I get on my own nerves. And I have to look in the mirror and say, well, Emperor, you don't, you, you're not doing so well with this thing. You need to take a step back. You're, you're, you're going a little too hard. You're complaining all the time. This is not your style. Are you being the fresh water that heals? But the good thing is, since we know how to get out of this, and since we have the resources and the means to get out of this, we can make it out. But there's a lot of people around us that can't make it out. So what do we have to do? We have to model how to get out, and we have to teach others how to get out of this. And we only do that by being freshwater warriors. So with that being said, guys, if you like what you heard, share it with your friends and your family on your social media outlets. If you don't like what you heard, still share it with your friends and family on your social media outlets. Uh, Thank you guys for listening in. And remember, we're in the business of healing and not hurting until we meet again, my friends.